Lord, we, we come to you as the creator and sustainer and giver of all life. And so we rejoice and we are thankful that the muchler baby was, was born and, and that he is, is doing well. God, we pray that you um, would, would just bless his body. And, and I pray, God, that things would go smoothly there in the NICU. I pray for your protection. I pray for your protection um, over Joe and Taylor, to that you would guard their hearts and, and their minds, and that they would be full of joy and rejoicing in you and your goodness. God, we, we just we know that we can ask these things of you. We pray, um, we pray for Max and Sharice and their family, God, as they continue um, to walk through the health issues that they have to walk through. God, please let them be constantly on the front of our minds. Um, God, that we would lift them up to you. We pray, God, for, for protection. We pray, God, for, as we said, the guarding of their hearts and their minds. We pray, God, that you would grant their desires and their pleas with you. And God, we pray most of all that you would be glorified in all things, that you would sustain our hearts, that we would continue to be worshipers of you and known as worshipers of you, and that we would receive everything from your hand with thanksgiving. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's fitting to be praying uh, this morning for them because that is what we're going to be talking about this morning as we look at Psalm 20. And in Psalm 20, we um, there's a lot of different ways I could go with this, but when I read it, I thought, man, this is really an incredible psalm where um, where they're praying for the people. That and so what I want to just do with this, I, I know that we we're, we're called to pray for one another. It's one of the biggest things that we are asked to do for one another, and in all the one another's, we are constantly um, called to lift one another up in prayer. We we know that um, in Scripture, we know that that. Um, praying for one another deeply is is the best way to love others. It's the best way. Praying for one another is the best way to share the gospel and and to ask that God would save people. It is is through prayer that we see healing and restoration. It is it is through prayer that we have forgiveness. And so we're called to pray for one another. But I don't know about you, but when I do that and when when we say to one another like, "Oh, I'll, I'll pray for you," do you ever feel stuck at what you should be praying for? Like, even if they specifically say, like, hey, pray for this thing. If, if you get really specific and say, okay, I can, I can pray for that. But when people are brought to your mind, do you ever get stuck and just wonder, well, what, how, how do I pray for them? Like, how, how should I pray? And, and what should I pray for? And what if what they're wanting isn't good for them? Like, how do I pray for that then? And what, God, if you don't do what you're asking or what they're asking you to do, like, then how do I pray? Well, this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 20. And as we often say here, there isn't a better prayer guide than Scripture. And so what we're going to do is, is pray Psalm 20 and, and look through that. And, and in this, there are, there are six prayers that I want to point out. This is going to get super practical. Again, this is not like me, but it's, I think it's the effect of the sun that I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you bullet points. And we're just going to like, hopefully some of these are helpful to you. And then, and then we're going to sing and pray and, and, and connect with each other and, and you can go for shade. But for this, I want to point out in Psalm 20, six prayers that we should be praying regularly for, for one another. And I want to point out, by the way, that this isn't just for um, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but this is also for the world, for our neighbor, for anyone. These are six, six prayers. The first one is found in verse 1. 
He says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. So some of these are going to be pretty quick, but this is this first prayer. Pray that God may answer you. I pray that God would answer you. Pray for others that God would answer them, that God would hear them. That the Lord, he's, he's praying, like the, I pray the Lord would hear your cry, that you would feel heard, that you would have ears to hear him. So, so my, my prayer related to this is, is often, God, give them eyes to see what you are doing and ears to hear you speak. See, most of us know there have been many times where God is, is moving and he is active and he is speaking, but we're not tuned in, right? Like most of us can look back on something in our life, some season, some area. It could be this week. It could be, it could be in the past sometime where at the time you didn't hear from God. You weren't hearing from God. You wondered if God was even there. But now with some time, you look back and you realize, actually, God, you were moving the whole time. You were speaking to me. I just didn't hear you. I was crying out, but I did not realize that you were actually responding to me in powerful ways. So, so when I pray this prayer, when we pray this prayer for others, it's, it's, we pray with confidence that God will hear you, but that he'll answer you. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May you hear what he is saying. Often when we're praying for things, we get so tuned to other frequencies so tuned to looking for a specific answer or a specific thing from God. And he could be saying all kinds of things to us, but we are only paying attention to this over here and and we miss it. But as Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So when we pray for one another in difficult circumstances, pray that the Lord would answer and pray for your brothers and sisters and neighbor that they would hear you. Especially when you're talking about non-believers who are saying like, I I pray the reason I don't believe in God is because I prayed and he never answered me. And so our prayer for them could be, God, let them hear you. I know you will answer them, but let them hear you. Let them have ears to hear That's prayer number one. Prayer number two, may God protect you. In verse one, the second part, he says, may, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. This is challenging. I'll, I'll tell you why. This has always been a struggle for me. One of the most common prayers we pray for one another is for safety, Right? Like that's one of the most common things we pray. When someone's going on a trip, we pray for safe travels. We pray for protection. We pray for safety. And there was a time in my life where that really started to make me uncomfortable because I look at scripture and I would see like, okay, following Jesus isn't like a guarantee of safety. Like, why is that the the main thing that, that I'm praying for? And then it got even more complicated when I realized that it was in the times of my greatest trials that God did the most work for me. And through me. And so then I start feeling like, okay, we've talked about this before, that we pray for God to do something incredible in our hearts. And then we spend all of our time praying against any of the circumstances would, that would bring that about in our hearts. Right? And so we talk about this a lot. Like we pray for patience. Like God, make me more patient. But then we pray against any circumstance that would grow patience in us. And so I feel that way with, with safety. I, for a long time, I was afraid to even pray for that because I'm like, well, does that mean I'm idolizing my health? Am I idolizing protection? Am I saying that's the, the most important thing? So if you hear that and you're like, man, you are messed up. That is very troubling that you're feeling that way. Then just ignore that part. But I think that there are some people here that would probably understand what I'm saying and, and agree with me and say, yeah, I, I struggle with that. 
And so what we want to do is I think first and foremost, I want to just say it is good. When he says, may the name of God of Jacob protect you, I think it's good and right to pray that people would be protected and to pray for people's safety. Like we're not the Holy Spirit. We aren't the ones who determine what trials you should go through in order to grow. The key isn't to ask for trials. Like I don't pray for Jeff by saying, God, would you please bring trials and persecutions and trouble to Jeff so that he would grow because I want him to grow in faith. That would actually be, you know, you're you're smiling, but that'd be pretty horrifying if next door, his office is right next to mine. If he hears me just praying out and he's going, oh, is Jay praying for me? Like, would you, God, would you bless Jeff? Would you pray? I pray for him. And Jeff's like, oh, it's really great. Would you bring trials on his life? Would you crush his spirit? Would you bring him low? He'd be like, what? I'm sorry, what? Right? So we don't, we don't want to do that. But what we do want to do is, God, would you, would you bless him? Would you protect him? Would you guard him? Because I want to pray for that form. I want God to do that work through his protection and through his safety. And I, I want good things to come to him. But there's another part of that. We don't just only pray for physical safety. We pray for our hearts and our minds to be guarded and protected. So what I'm saying is pray for physical safety, but don't stop there. Like when you pray for someone, they go on a trip. Like we're going on vacation. My family's going on vacation here in a couple weeks. Pray for our safety. I would love that. But also pray that our hearts and our minds would be guarded that they would be protected, that as things go wrong in the situation, that our hearts would be freed from worshiping like, and putting our hope in this vacation or, or that our minds would be guarded, that we would interpret things well and that there would be peace like, in, our, in our family. Like, pray for those things as well. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's guarded in Christ Jesus, the name of God. As, as Paul writes, the, the, the peace of God. It's the existence of God, the name of God, that brings peace, that protects and guards, not just our bodies and our physical beings, but also our hearts and our minds. And so as you're thinking about people that you need to be praying for, you're praying for their protection. Pray for their hearts to be guarded, that their hearts would not stray from God when when trials come. Pray that their minds would be guarded, that they would think rightly about God and not, not listen to the voice of the evil one. Pray that the peace of God would flood our hearts and our minds so that we're able to, to they're able to rest well or build memories. Or do all the things that God wants to do in those times. So pray in the name of God that they would be protected. Prayer number three. May God send help from his people. So as you're praying for others, he he says in, in verse two, May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. So this is, you know, interesting phrasing, but remember this is Old Testament. So from the sanctuary, the place where they worshiped God the support from Zion, from the people of God. And so when you're praying for others, another key prayer is, God, would you send them help? Encourage them from the people of God. One of the key ways that we do this is when we gather together to worship God together. 
And one of the biggest obstacles we have in worshiping God is that we are so attuned in our culture to see worship as a thing I go to, to hear some teaching, to be able to apply to my life and kind of and live a better life. And it's a bonus if we come and if you like music, it's a bonus to hear some songs and to sing some songs. It's a bonus to kind of connect with a few people and see some people. But church, you and I and everybody else, we don't really understand what is happening when we gather together to worship our king together. Like we can think we know, we can think we understand. I've been wrestling with this this week, trying to figure out like, okay, I'm trying to picture what, is it, what does it look like that all of these redeemed souls are singing songs, praising our king while angels watch in the heavenly realms and rejoice in our rejoicing. What, what supernatural things happen if I could see the Holy Spirit as he moves in and out and as he goes and ministers to someone, as he awakens someone's attention, as they look over across the lawn and they see someone that they want to connect with and go over and say hi and not knowing that that person was feeling alone that morning and just was saying, would somebody say something to me? Would somebody ask me how I'm doing? God, I need you to come through. And if we're praying for one another, we'd see this is one of the biggest ways that we can do this. God, help them. Send help to my brothers and sisters. Help from the sanctuary. Send help to those that I'm sharing the gospel with. When I invite them to church, God, would you help them through your people? Would you move through your people? If we saw that, I think we would just approach worship completely differently. Where we worship, how long we worship, any any of these things would just be so secondary. They would be so far down the list. What if we, what if we spend our time like, well, do you prepare for that? Like, I, I, if I went around and asked, like, how many of you prepare for what you're preparing for worship is roll out of bed, maybe hop in the shower really quick, scream at the kids to find their shoes, jump in the car and get here just in time with the gravel dust kicking up behind you. And you get in here, you sit down, you're like, okay, we made it. Like, I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where making it before the call to worship was like huge victory. That is like the most prepared I have ever been. Lord, I sat down 12 seconds before Jeff came up and did the call to worship. That's, that's a win, right? I'm prepared. But what if we saw it as the saints of God communing together in this way that God has ordained and that he does supernatural things in this gathering that he just by his own decision doesn't do in other places. What if we got up in the morning and we prepared for worship? We warmed up for worship. We were in the Psalms. We started praying for the people that we would see. We started praying, God, would you use me? Would you send help to my brother who I know has been struggling this week? Would you send help to him this morning from your people? What if we pray, God, would you, would you help us as we minister to one another, as we sing together and we pray together? That we would benefit from one another's joy in the Lord. So pray, when you're praying for one another, pray, God, send your help through your people and let me be a part of that help. Prayer four, may God's favor be upon you. Verse 3 says, May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices, Selah. 
So this is a prayer that God would, that God would give you favor. So what they would do back then is in, in the Old Testament, they would, um, before they would go and, and try to go into battle or try to take anything or try to make any big decision or whatever, they would go and they would make sacrifices to God, offerings to God as a way of worshiping God and saying, God, I'm, I'm for you. I am with you. I, I, I'm in you. It was a way of saying, God, I can't go do anything. I can't take any land. I can't make anything happen. I can't do anything apart from you. And so first I come to the temple and I offer my sacrifice. I, I give to you to demonstrate that I can't go anywhere that you don't go. And so what this is, is it's asking for God's favor, that he would look upon you with favor and mercy and kindness, that he would be inclined towards you, that he would be working in you and going before you. So as we pray for one another, pray that we pray for things like, God, would you go before them? Would you, would you, um, a lot of times I pray that when my kids go to school or when people are going into a new town, God, would you give them favor? Right? Would you, would you pray? Would you love them? Would you love them well and love the people that they are going to? Would you give them favor that they would be able to make friends well? That people would see them and, and find them like that wouldn't want to talk to them and want to connect with them. God, would you give them favor in their workplace? Would, would their bosses look on them favorably? God, would you look upon them favorably everywhere? And the way that he says to do that is that we, that God would remember, God, would you remember that they turn to you? And he talks about these sacrifices, but we know what God wants. Even in the Psalms, we know what he wants for sacrifices. In Psalm 51, it says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So the favor of the Lord comes when we come to him with a broken and contrite, a broken spirit, a contrite heart. And in Christ, we approach him and we claim Christ's sacrifice. And that, that, that would stir in us genuine worship. That God would, would give us favor to reveal things in our heart and to help us deal with those issues in our heart, to stir our affections for him, to be consumed by him. This is what we're praying for one another. When we pray, God, would you give them favor before you? Would their worship be genuine? Would they call out to you? Would our singing be pleasing to you? That we would sing our hearts out in faith, that we would bring a broken spirit and contrite heart, God, that we would not come to you offering you our works or our self-righteousness, but that we would come to you humble and that you would have favor on your people who cry out to you. Prayer five. May God grant your every desire. So when we're praying for others, we can pray this prayer here. What he says in in verses four and five, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. So when you pray for others, pray that God would bless them. Pray that God would grant their every desire. It's often said that if you want to grow in your love for someone, then pray for them. And what I would just add is not just pray for them, but pray that they would receive everything that they desire. Now that may like catch in your spirit a little bit and say, well, wait a second. Well, I'll get to the wait a second. But first, like just what he says, pray that they would receive everything that they desire. 
Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so one way we pray this is we pray that, that our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors, that their, that their desires would be in line with the Lord. Pray that God would make them prosper in their pursuit of him. I mean, in the end, I'm praying that God would give you everything you desire and everything that you ask for, and that he would reveal to you that he is the fulfillment of all your deepest desires. And so you might say, okay, well, now it sounds like you're praying just like, so pray for spiritual things, right? So we just pray that they would know and love Jesus more and don't worry about the rest of it. No, that's not what I'm saying because it's not what Jesus says. In John 15, 7, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Like he doesn't say ask for whatever spiritual thing you want. But obviously understanding that Jesus is the fulfillment of all things will shape our desires for all things. So let me give you an example. It's not uncommon at all that people would say, hey, I'm looking at getting a new job. Would you pray for me? Would you pray that God would show me if I'm supposed to take this new job or, or move to this new place? But let's just take a, a new job. This might shock you, but not everyone is happy in their job right now. Okay? I don't want that to be a huge shock to anybody right now. But there are people who aren't. And, and so people will pray, like, God, would you just give me, I want a new job. I want, I want somewhere where, where I'm um, taken care of well, that I, that I make the money that I feel like I should, or where I'm valued the way that I should, or where, where I'd be fulfilled in my work, where it's a meaningful work. And if you ask me to pray that for you, I will pray it for you. I will pray, God, give them a new job. But I'm also going to pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal your root desire and meet that as well. Right? So, so I'm not going to be the judge on whether you should get a new job or not. Like, I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can listen to him. But most times when people say, hey, would you pray for me? I, I think I, I want to get a new job. I don't sit there and try to weigh out like, well, is that a good thing to pray for you or not? Maybe you're better off in the job you're in. No, I just say, okay, yes, I'll pray for that. But I'm also going to pray, God, whatever they're looking for in that job, would you show them how Christ fulfills that at the root level? Would you fulfill their, their even deeper desires? So I'll pray for this desire right here, but then I want to go, I want to pray for deeper desires. Kind of like we don't just pray for physical safety, but I'm going to pray that God would also guard your heart and your mind, which are far more valuable. So yes, I will pray that he'll fulfill this desire of a new job, but I'm going to pray even more that he would fulfill whatever desire and show you how Jesus is the fulfillment of those deeper desires. So let's say it's fulfillment in that. Let's say, let's say I want a new job because the job I'm working right now feels meaningless and I want a job that feels meaningful. I want a job that I, I can look at and I can say, I'm proud of the work that I've done. This work matters. Well, my prayer is that God would give you that. But my prayer is also that the Holy Spirit would show you how in Christ, all of our work is meaningful. That in Christ, there's no such thing as small works of faith. That in Christ, even showing up to a job that feels meaningless, but doing it in faith for the glory of God to love your coworkers and to serve them is an incredible act of worship. And I want you to, to feel that so that you can go to the job that you're going to right now and say, you know what? I can honor and worship the Lord. And I feel at peace in that. And then, then I would say, and God, give them then a better job. Like I want both. But then they would be freed 
to receive with joy whatever gift of work God has for you. Do you see how it works? Because if I just pray for you to get the new job and you're looking to it to give you meaning, well, no, it doesn't matter how meaningful that job is, it won't fulfill that. But when your significance is found in Christ and you realize that in Christ, everything I do has meaning, then you can go anywhere and have a life of meaning. And then if on top of that, he also blesses you with a job that you love and you enjoy and you can see tangible fruit from that, well, praise God all the more. Praying this way changes us, by the way. And praying all these prayers change us. You know, they talk about like praying isn't so much to change God's mind, it actually changes our heart. And that's true. God works in our hearts as we pray. And specifically, this prayer and some of these prayers we've talked about change us in some really powerful ways. One one way is that praying for this blessing on others without reservation, without judgment, without anything, I just pray that God would bless you and make you flourish. It helps us to be better at rejoicing with one another. Right? Like, we're not very good at that. I'll just say that. Just as a whole, the human race is not the best at rejoicing with one another. We have so much envy and and pride and self-righteousness that creep in there. If you don't believe me, try this exercise. Find a neighbor or a friend or a coworker who has recently purchased a new vehicle and tell them you like it and watch their response. My guess is that they will go into quite the monologue of explaining how they got really incredible deal on this how they never, they never do anything like this. The car that they replaced it with had like 487,000 miles on it and they actually had to like get it going with their feet. And so, and they drove that for 18 years and it was falling apart. It had, didn't even have doors anymore. And then, and then they normally don't. They've never owned a car this nice. Why do we do that? We do it because we're just protecting ourselves. We're trying to justify something and protect ourselves. And I think it's because we don't rejoice with each other very well. Because we so often look at something, when someone's celebrating something or they're excited about something, we kind of put it through our own perspective and say like, well, would I have done that? Is that something I would have spent money on or gone to do? Is that something I would be excited about? I mean, when that happens, I just am struck by, man, when, when, I, when I say that to somebody, and, and literally this like has happened to me at least a dozen times. Now it's fun for me. I actually did a social experiment with somebody in the community where I saw that they were driving a new car, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to try it. I said, hey, I like your car. Oh, I mean, we just, and they went through the whole thing. And I'm just sitting there smiling. And they finally said, why are you smiling? I said, because I knew you'd say all that. And then I couldn't let it go. So I kept saying like, but man, these are some really nice features in here. I've never owned a car that nice. Like, uh, it's super fun. But this is the problem. I look at that and I say, man, how bad are we at rejoicing with one another that we feel we have to defend all that? Like, how bad are we at just saying, man, praise God that, he was able to, that you were able to do that. Now, look, I get it. Like, maybe, maybe we're good friends. And I hate to pick on Jeff, but he's sitting right there and he's so easy to pick on. But if Jeff says, like, hey, I found a new car and it's been the one I've been asking for, like, I want to rejoice in him. And now as we're friends and I say, like, man, so where did you find it? And he's like, oh, it's the craziest thing. I was driving through town and I drove by and I saw the exact car that I've been wanting. And it was sitting in this person's driveway with the keys and the ignition. 
And so I just jumped in. I was like, oh God, you gave this. And I left my beater with the door falling off of it. And I got in, I drove off. Now, okay, we're going to have a conversation, right? Like now we're going to talk about like, hey, maybe, maybe that wasn't from God. Like, but until then, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt and I'm just rejoicing with him. We have been blessed in so many ways and we've been trained to think that if it's small and trivial, then it must not be from God. It is robbing God of worship. How many of you have ever felt weird thanking God for a parking spot? I have all the time. I'm like, oh God, thank you for this parking spot. Like, oh, does God really care about parking spots? Yes, he does. And he cares just as much if you have to park away a half a mile away to walk into Costco. He cares just as much then as he does when he gives you that parking spot really close because he's in every detail and every opportunity to rejoice in him is a beautiful thing. And you may say like, okay, I do want to address the issue of like, well, what if, what if their desire is clearly not of God? Now what? Like, okay, you're talking about these middle of the road things, but what if, what if I'm loving my neighbor or my son who is an addict and they just, they, what their deepest desire is right now is they want their next high. Now what? And that's when I, I just go right to those deepest root desires and say, just keep praying for that. What it, Show them what they're really looking for. What do they really want? God, reveal to them how incapable this thing is of actually delivering what they want. I don't want them to mute their desires. I want their desires to get deeper. Say, God, what, do you, what are they actually looking for? And maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's escape and I want them to see how Jesus sets them free from all of that. Or maybe it's, maybe it's connection or maybe it's just pleasure and I want them to see how Jesus is better and we'll chase, that they'll chase him. And I just want to keep praying for their blessing. Pray for their blessing. Pray for their blessing. Pray for their blessing over and over and over again. And what that will do in you, that'll do another thing in you. It will allow you to rejoice when they find him. So not only do we rejoice with one another when God blesses us, but we rejoice when people turn from their ways and turn back. And then we get to be less like the Pharisees when someone turned from their sin and more like the father in the prodigal son story. We run to meet somebody. If we've been praying, God, would you bless him? Like as he's pursuing this thing, I know this is whatever he's looking for. Would you bless him? And would you give him what he's really looking for and let him find it in you? And then when he does, then I'm just running and embracing. There's no, I told you so. There's no, it's about time you figured this out. There's no like, okay, I'm really glad that you've turned, but do you realize how much pain and destruction you have caused? The father and the prodigal son doesn't say any of those things. He runs and he weeps and he embraces and he he throws a party. And when we're praying for people to be blessed over and over again, then when that happens, we are ready to throw a party. And it's an incredible thing. And it also helps us to pray for those who persecute us. Like we know, right, that we're told to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And some of us take that as like, I am praying. I'm praying for my enemies. I'm praying for those who persecute. I'm praying that God would bring justice down on them. It's not what he's asking us to do. In fact, that specific situation happens in Luke 9 when the Samaritan village rejects Jesus. And when the, his disciples, James and John, saw it, saw them reject Jesus, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And Jesus turns and rebukes them. Why? Because we pray for blessing on people. 
regardless of whether they accept or reject Jesus. We pray for their blessing. I want you to think of people right now who you view as being opposed to the gospel, who have rejected Jesus, who maybe mock you because you hold these views. Maybe you see them as working against everything that scripture supports and they're working against it. They are an enemy of the cross, an enemy of God. Do you pray for their blessing? Or do you pray that fire would come down from heaven and consume them? Paul says in Romans 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Jesus says in Luke 6, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Listen, you can't love someone if you are cursing them. At best, it will be like a forced through gritted teeth, passive aggressive thing. At worst, it'll be smug and self-righteous and displeasing to God. Either way, it's not love. So church, we need to pray that God would just bless and pray that God would grant them their deepest desire and that they would find their fulfillment in him so that we can rejoice. And all of this, what are we doing? We're doing the, the last prayer, which is praying for their salvation. Pray that God may save you. We're praying that people would turn. I don't care about making amends or about doing that stuff. Like I just want people to turn and worship God. And he says, may we shout for joy over your salvation in the name of our God, set up our banners. Like we go back to this corporate worship thing and saying like, I just, I want to shout for joy over your salvation. I want to sing with you. I want to worship alongside of you. When I was in youth ministry, I used to tell kids who were struggling with, they would, they would gossip about other kids at our, at our youth group meetings. And I'd always say like, okay, well, how is this person going to feel when they come and they worship alongside of you? Like, are you going to rejoice in that? Like if you're letting bitterness come up in your heart, if you're, if you're praying like, oh, if, you, if you're resentful and bitter towards people, and then when they come to Jesus and they sit right down next to you, are you going to rejoice with them? Or are you now going to be dealing with bitterness? We want to pray that we get to rejoice together at God's goodness. Because it's what he did for me. I want you to think of someone right now that you know who doesn't know Jesus. It's not going to be hard for any of you. Don't forget to pray. Pray for their salvation. Imagine shouting for joy over their salvation. Imagine worshiping alongside them right here. Like if you want that, then beg God for it. That's the most important thing we can do in evangelism. Yes, we need to declare it with our words. We need to speak the words of the gospel, but it's the Holy Spirit that changes hearts. And this is the prayer that serves all of the other prayers because it's through Jesus that God answers us when we call. It's through the peace of God, through the cross, that our hearts and our minds and our bodies are guarded and protected. It is through our worship of Jesus that we receive help from the sanctuary. It is the sacrifice of Jesus through that that God approves of us and we find favor in his eyes. It is through Jesus, as we are told to ask for anything in the name of Jesus, it will be given to us. It's through Jesus that our deepest desires. And there is only one name under heaven by which men must be saved. And that is Jesus. One of the simplest tools of that is to, to list five people. I want you to do that this week. List five people that you know that you want, that you just picture and say, I want to rejoice with them and worship alongside of them and just pray for them. Beg God for them. And then 
the psalmist ends with this testimony. All this stuff that he's saying, I'm praying all these things over you. And then he ends with a testimony. He says in verse six, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. This is his testimony. And this is my testimony. I know the Lord saves. I've seen it. Like who's, let me ask you this. I'm just going to ask for some courage here. Who in here would say, well, this is my testimony. I was far from God, but people that knew me were praying for my salvation day after day after day, and they didn't stop. And after a long time, I finally came to Christ. Who would say that? Right? Amen. Praise God. He saves. He does it. How many of you would say that's your testimony that you have seen that happen? I have prayed, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and they finally came to Christ. Who would say that that's your testimony? Look around, even through the umbrellas. He does it. He saves. I know he says, I know he will answer. He will answer for him from his holy heaven. I'll know he'll answer because I've heard it. How many of you have the testimony that the Lord hears you when you cry out to him? When you cried out to him from the deepest places, he has heard you. He does it. I know he will do it through his power. I've experienced it. How many of you have experienced the power and might of God in a way that you could not possibly explain? And if you told people, they wouldn't believe it. Right? Like this is what we're rejoicing over. This is our testimony. So all these things I'm praying for, I believe they will come true because of who he is. No one is too far from him. So I don't stop praying. I know he'll do it. And he says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. So not only do I know he will do it, he is the only one I put my trust in. That's our testimony. We don't put our trust in anything of the world. We don't put our trust in money to make this happen or political power to make this happen or social influence to make this happen. We trust in none of those things. We trust in Jesus. We don't trust in our behavior modification as parents to bring about salvation in our children. We don't trust in programs in our churches to bring about making disciples. We trust in the name of the Lord. All those other things will collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright because he has made it so. So church, I want us just to pray together. And I'm going to just leave like 10 seconds of space after each one of these prayers. And I want you to fill it and see who God brings to your mind and think of who needs you to pray these prayers for them. And let's pray mightily for our families, for the people in our church, for our community, for our country, for the world. He will do it. Let's pray. God, I pray for us here that you would answer their call when they cry out. God, would you bring people to mind that need us to pray this, that you answer their call when they cry out. Father, I pray that you would protect these people. God, would you Protect not only their bodies, but God, would you protect their minds and guard their minds and their hearts in the peace of Jesus. 
the peace that is bought by Jesus. God, would you bring to mind people who need prayers for protection, not just for bodies, but hearts and minds would be guarded in you. Father, would you send help through your people? Would you minister to the people gathered here through one another? Would you minister to people in this community through your people? God, send help to them. Whether it is financial help or immediate needs help or just emotional connection or physical, whatever it is, God, whatever is needed, God, would you send help through your people and let us be ready to help. Father, I pray that your favor would be upon us. That our worship and our singing would be glorifying to you, would be pleasing to your ears, that we would sing in faith, that we would bring our our gifts, our financial gifts, everything, God, everything that we would offer, that it would be done in faith, knowing that you are God and you are above all things, and that we can't go anywhere or do anything or accomplish anything apart from you. So God, would you give your favor to your people? And go before them. Father, I pray that you would grant every desire. And not just the desires that we know and that we speak out, but God, the root desires that are underneath that we don't even maybe realize what they are. Our desires for significance and for security, and for freedom, and for influence, and for meaning, and for intimacy, for all those things, God, I pray that you would reveal how, Jesus, you are the fulfillment of all those things. That we've never been more free than the freedom that we have in you. We've never been more secure than the security of being bought and owned by you. We've never had more meaning in our lives than the meaning that we have in contributing in the kingdom that lasts for eternity. God, would you reveal that? And would you meet the deepest desires and bless all people? And Father, would you save your people? We pray, God, that you would turn wicked hearts to you. You have turned our wicked hearts to you, God. Would you do that for our neighbors and our co-workers? People in our church who don't know you, Lord, would you please, would you save, would you bring about by the power of the Holy Spirit the change that only you can do? And God, let us be there to share words to match up with that. Let us live lives that match up with that. But God, would you save your people so that we can rejoice with them and we can sing songs of praise alongside of them. God, I pray you bring them to mind the people who are thinking about like what an incredible thing it would be for them to stand next to me next week, next month, next year, in 10 years. I will pray as long as I need to, God, that one day I will stand next to them and worship you and we will rejoice and shout for joy over their salvation and shout for joy and celebration and hang our banners worshiping you, God. Father, we know you will do it. 
We have seen it. We have heard it. We have experienced it. So it is with full confidence that we pray these things to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.